Alright, welcome everyone to another fine edition of Anarchy in Space. Space. I am Nikki P here as always with my co-host Eric. How are we doing there, Mr. Eric? Doing well. Sun shining. It's an excellent day. I mean, that is yet to prove itself. I've slept through most of the day because that's what I do. But any day we get to sit and talk about sci-fi is a good day in my book. True. And so we are here to talk about the 20th episode in the series of The Expanse. This is episode 10 of season two. Yep. And this is a Cascade, I believe it's called. Uh, you are correct, sir. Which is a reference to basically the shit hitting the fan <laughs> in the... Uh, especially on Ganymede Station. Yes, especially on Ganymede Station. Uh, this is has one of my favorite moments in the Caesar series, by the way. Um, Let me guess, something uh, Amos-related? It is always Amos-related. Everything Amos does, just I love it. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to bet that you could probably pick the exact moment out right now if I if I wanted you to. Which which moment you think it is? Uh I'd have to guess uh digging into spam. It's pretty fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically the entire exchange between Amos when he smashes that dude's skull in. And then like the and then there's the good heartfelt moments between him and the Asian dude that are kind of fun. Yeah. Because the Asian dude kind of like lets in that he's not a perfect person himself. And that's a yeah. good thing to have. So, well, where do you want to start with this one? Because there's a couple interesting storylines going on. I, I find it interesting because it's almost kind of like a, they don't spend a lot of time digging too deeply into any, any one story here. Yeah. It, it's an episode definitely designed to just kind of move the narrative to whatever the next big thing is going to be for everybody else. Yeah, this one was definitely like transitions from... Last episode and what's probably going to happen in the next episode, I would imagine. There's a lot of setup involved. Well, let's start with one of the biggest moments. And I figured uh, this would kind of come out of nowhere for you. I knew it happens. But I'm curious, uh, was there one moment in here that surprised the shit out of you when it happened? Probably Aaron Wright confessing to Avasarala about helping uh, Mal. Yeah. Why do you think he did that? And then he like ends it with like, oh, and you've probably already known this, huh? <laughs> well, I think he, I think it's obvious she knows it. Yeah. I think he had no. He's just trying to he's trying to manipulate the situation, and I think there's a certain degree to which he's going to try and implicate her if she doesn't run immediately to the UN about it. Yeah, I don't remember specifically how he, what he tries to work on this deal, but I, 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 I if I remember correctly, he's, he's definitely not just all of a sudden acquired a conscience. I think he's just trying to play the politics the best fucking way he knows how. And yeah, he's kind of a weasel so he, he's, he's trying to figure out some way to worm out of being in trouble i guess but yeah i don't know where aaron Wright just comes in and confesses everything and hands her everything he's got on the jules pierre mao situation yeah which in particular is hey here's a here's a super soldier that they've been working on yeah to which she runs to we'll get there yeah, we'll get we'll get where she takes that. We'll put a pin in that and we'll come back to it. So <laughs> most of the the, the, this, the big part with the U.N. in this episode is that you have uh, they're trying to work on how, what the actual finals of the accord are going to be. Those scenes are mostly set up so that Avasarala can try and needle them into letting Gunny talk again. Right. But they're clearly not having any of it. She's kind of digging up information like who is that guy that wouldn't let her talk? Who and, you know, and he's the. He's a big friend of the family, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is interesting, to say the least. Because at no point do you get the way he treats her as a friend of anything. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, you know, I mean, that's that's just, I guess, the military way. like Because they all kind of treet each other like that. So, But the meeting's fairly uneventful. 
eventually you see Aaron Wright with, with the uh, 3D model of the battle armor in front of him, like in an, an office zone, and he's he's asking, "Did you find? Well, what did you find on this?" And they're like, "Well, nothing weird, you know, just plant matter, which is you know consistent with its on of an ag ag development and right, you know, this and that." And she's like, "Well, he's like, well, they wouldn't have let us see it if there was anything that implicated them in it, but you know, check for other matter in particular. Like you can tell that he's trying to." She's like, "Well, there's no known matter. Like, check harder." Yeah, he's trying to guide it a little bit. Yeah, like I want to find something really weird. <laughs> so broaden your scope. If there's anything that we don't recognize, let me know. Because he's obviously in the know and he assumes that there's going to be the uh, protomolecule on that armor. Yeah. Now what's, and this is I think the way he's trying to play it. When he, t- when he mentions it to uh, have Sorrell, he also makes it a point to mention that he was developing it for Mars. Yeah. Now the key to that is, is, the, is, he, is he right? Is, is this now being implicated deeper than we know within the story? Is Mars now playing a shell game just he's been playing the shell game this whole time huh? what do you think uh i don't think so i think mal is trying to set something up for himself to make the moon a, a player in this whole thing really yeah and see i never really thought that i always kind of looked at the the moon as switzerland oh kind of like a neutral state well it's a place where the all the richest of the rich go so what the fuck do they want to be involved in a war go have your war and we'll finance it and yeah stay the fuck away from us so i think i always just felt like he was more than happy to provide the armaments and leave me out of it. I'm just a businessman, that kind of thing. Yeah, could be. So is there anything else that we missed in kind of the UN storyline? I mean, technically the last scene of the UN is where... Yeah, Bobby Draper getting shuffled off to a room to be locked in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, she they, they're like, well... She's like, well, I want to see the ocean. He's like, well, no, yeah. You'll, you you can't handle it. We we just expected too much of you too soon. Yeah, which is like the most backhanded compliment in the world. Yeah, pretty much. So we kind of move move backwards. We uh, if we go back, the uh, episode opens up on Ganymede Station, which, if we remember, is right where we left our crew of the Rasinante after they'd. Yes, they were just getting there. Yes, after they got that woman's husband killed on accident. Yeah. Technically, you should say they they got her saved when she would have been dead with him had they not been there. And she was not very appreciative of that. Like, there was no chance of them making it out at all. <laughs> and she's very angry that she's alive is what that, that scene reads as. Yeah. Maybe she thought she was going to make it out. Who the hell knows? Yep. But so now they're they're out and there's a couple things that we, a couple things we see here. We find, what, what what's the Asian dude's name again? Ming? Yeah, Prax Ming. He, uh, he sees a guy that he knew, like the, whose daughter was in the program with him who tries to kick his ass and Amos won't let him because that guy thinks that he just left to go off world and left the kids there not realizing of course that he was unconscious and had no choice in the matter someone fucking shuffled him on there while he was not awake right and then he came back with help to try and find his girl may now that guy tries to go with him they don't let it happen there but they ask hey who can help us and so they find out about this guy roma what's his name yeah there's a information dealer yeah but bring chicken yeah which let's we don't get many opportunities to kind of go into this it's amazing like he points out, well, he doesn't accept script. Yeah. Which is your government money don't mean shit here because we need to survive. Yeah. I need something. Yeah. Urban Farmer Curtis Stone actually did a thing about that the other day. It was pretty interesting. You follow him at all? Uh, may have seen one or two things. Uh, he did one in particular. You know, he's talking about all the guys with their financial investment. You're uh, Peter Schiff kind of guys. Yeah. And, you know, Roger Veer. And they're all telling you what to do to be prepared for it. And he's like, if this shit goes real sideways, you can have all the gold and silver you want. And it can 
mean shit. Right. You show up at my door next to some dude with some farming skills, your, your, your gold doesn't mean anything because at a certain point, survival becomes the most important thing. Yeah. And someone who can farm is going to be much more useful for survival. Like their ability to work, their ability to fix something is going to mean more. And we're put in a place now where this guy realized, what the fuck is the script going to buy him? Like, yeah. he's never getting off this rock. All he can do is hope to survive as long as he can. So for him, currency means food. So if you want to find your kids and he's got the ability to do it, you bring him food. Yeah. So he can live a little bit longer. Who cares if you can't? In particular, chicken. Yes. He really wants that fucking chicken. Of all the things. (laughs) Well, and which is funny because we're not, we're talking canned chicken. Like we're talking like stuff that in general, most of us wouldn't ever, you know, bother with. Yeah, and 400 years into the future, I'm pretty sure it's lab-grown chicken. <laughs> yes, probably not even real chicken. Yes. <laughs> so so they go up there, and like they watch a woman leave, kind of like, who's naked and just fucking screaming, and kind of, why can't you help me? Because apparently she doesn't have anything that he wants. Yeah. And he kind of shows up trying to bull dick him. Yeah. And they're like, is Roma here? He's like, Who the, what do you want? You know, that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, you know, we're looking for somebody. He's like, oh, well, in that case. What do you got? Yeah. What I really, really want is chicken. Every man's got a price. No chicken, no help. Yeah. At which point we get one of my favorite moments, which is where Amos takes a fucking can of spam and starts smashing <laughs> yes. the dude's skull and just beats the fuck out of him. Which, uh, ironically enough, contains 15% chicken. So. <laughs> nice. The uh, Dr. Ming or whatever he is, uh, Professor Ming. He is unhappy with this. Yes, of course. He kind of jumps in the way of Amos killing this guy. He's like, well, if his brains are beat up, he can't help us, you oaf. <laughs> you know, and then we get like a, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I won't kill this guy kind of moment. Yeah. So the guy agrees to help. Yeah, of course. to say, <laughs> so Amos doesn't fucking kill him. Now, throughout all this, we, we are dealing with like Naomi also, who's kind of having, I don't know if she's having second thoughts about what they're doing, but. She's just kind of acting like a conscience for right now. Yeah. It just seems like every horrible thing that we do, it gets easier to justify the next horrible thing. Now, and she's right. Like, there, a lot of stuff they're doing is not necessarily good stuff. Like, they're, you know, initiating gunfights and shit like that. The issue is that they're also, like, I think in the broader context of what they're doing, you know, are they fighting for something, a cause worth, you know, worth justifying that? Yeah. Everything seems to be kind of up in the air right now. Yeah. I mean, I guess, to me, I don't see a lot of the situations that they have much of a say in. Was enacting violence on that dude necessary? No. <laughs> Probably wasn't a good thing to do. You know, it doesn't matter that he is could be stalling you in the course of saving the world. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and unfortunately, like, uh, I kinda, I'm of a mind that, well, I guess the world doesn't get saved by you, for sure, if that's what it hinges on, uh, violating someone's rights. Very true. So it's it's... I guess the hard, the hard, uh, hard part of principle is sometimes principle doesn't work out fantastic. Anyway, so you know you have another scene where the guy's actually actively searching. He does end up finding her and the doctor. Yep. In a part of the uh, station that he doesn't have access to. Basically, it's an old. It's the oldest part of the station. Yeah. Which is amusing. It's kind of like, oh, you built all this other stuff around here to disguise what the fuck you were already doing on there, didn't you? Right. Yeah, you have no cameras down there, and yeah, it's the oldest part of the station. Yeah. I mean, it's not like cameras got invented partway through this existing. Like, yeah. Cameras have always fucking existed. So there's a reason that you don't have people down there. Yeah. Now, there's a couple interesting things that we find out ancillary to all this. While this is all going on and that guy's finding them, 
you have the doctor admits to Amos that he was actually kind of relieved. Well, first off, he asks Amos, I thought you weren't a fucking homicidal maniac. Yeah. And Amos is kind of like, well, I'm not. Be lying the fact that he just tried to smash a dude's skull in with a can of Spam. spam. Yeah. Which, isn't he eating the can of Spam? Yeah, later on, he is eating from that same can. In that scene? Like, in that scene, he's sitting there eating it while talking to Ming. Yeah. If you look closely enough, there is still blood on the corner of the can of Spam, which he was using to, to cave the guy's skull in. That's beautiful. That's such an Amos moment. Yeah. So, but during this conversation, you know, you get, you, you understand, like, a lot of the, why Praxis being the way he is is because he feels as though he has his own shit that he hasn't dealt with. In particular, he said, I felt relieved when, when I knew Ming wasn't around. He was like, I was never a really good parent. She existed and I couldn't help her. I'm better with plants. Right. You know, he, I, I couldn't fix what was wrong with her. And, I mean, you feel for the guy. And, like, trust me, there's been those moments where, like, you know, God, like, dealing with a lot of the shit that's going on right now, like, how much easier would it be if I didn't have to worry about the kid? Yeah. How much easier is political activism when you don't have the responsibility of not being in jail or not being, you know, murdered, black yeah. bagged for your kid? Uh, that is true. Kids definitely uh, change things. Yeah. And so, you know, I think he has, he sees an Amos, like, well, there's, it's not the same issue. He sees some of his own guilt in Amos. So... I think to kind of get away from that, he goes for a little walk and he's he's doing what a scientist would do, I guess. Kind of getting him, making himself busy. Yeah, kind of doing what he was doing before this world blew up. Checking on the plants. And so he goes in there and he's talking about basically what's going on. And he, he's like, well, the mineralized solution that we normally keep all these plants together, it's, it's, it's not here anymore. Yeah. Instead, they're running a... Distilled water. Yes, which has nothing in it. Yeah, it's literally just H2O. That's completely fucking useless to plants. Yeah. Which, they're already plants, like, you know, he's, he, there's a couple of things he's mentioned. It's like, well, they've been eating the plants, which he's like, well, it doesn't do anything. They're air scrubbers. They The plants don't do anything. Like, they have no nutritional value. Yeah. They're not engineered for nutrition. They're engineered for scrubbing the air. Yeah, they're there to take the carbon dioxide that you're breathing out in. Yes. So that they can produce air. So, but he lets us, you know, he's talking to Amos, which is a lot to imagine Amos is understanding any of this. Yeah. He talks to Amos about, you know, the cascade, which is when something goes wrong in a system. You know, nature's a very complicated system with a lot of shit, a lot of diversity that allows us to absorb big cataclysms. Well, man-made solutions, aren't because they aren't as diverse, don't have as easy of a time absorbing right. issues. And so when one system is overtaxed and breaks, then it moves to the next system, which then gets overtaxed and breaks. And eventually you run out of systems, you know. And he's like, well, I mean, they, Amos is like, well, they wouldn't let it fail. It's too important. Like, this is the only way we get food out here in the belt. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, yeah. there's there's no fixing this. It's already dead. They just don't know it. Yeah. Like, they're, we're, we're over. Yeah. This, this, it's just, you're still seeing the outward signs of the last gasp, but everything that was set in motion is... You know, yeah, it's it's Dunzo at this point, which is so much of like I feel like the show is that they're kind of in these situations where there's no way of fixing it. Like the die has been cast, and the ball is in motion. It's going to do what it's going to do. It just hasn't done it yet, right? Like there's no way of turning it around. All of these people are going to die, but they just have no ability to know that. Now, is it up to you to tell people and panic them? Like, what do you what do you do in that situation? Like, you try and give people the best awareness of you know what's going to happen to them and give them knowledge. Does that make the 
I mean, I would say you have to, but I mean, well, that's such a complicated question. Like, do you, you can't make the decision to keep someone else's life, you know, a few minutes longer of whatever happiness you could give it, even if it's just, you know, a miserable existence as opposed to an extra miserable existence knowing that death's coming. At least you can kind of be blindsided by it and not have to think about it. Right. I mean, imagine the existential dread of knowing you're going to die and life is shit. <laughs> then again, maybe you'd choose to kill yourself and not waste the time. True. I don't know. Thinking about rights is always such a fucking... <laughs> yeah, it's never pretty. It's always going to get dirty at some point. Well, and the idea is, is that I always feel like no matter where you take it, like you're taking away someone's right to choose invariably, even if you think it was a choice that they would have made. Like, it's not your place to do that. Yep. It's, you know, like the whole fucking, well, we, there's a reasonable expectation that this is the choice that you would make. So we just make it for you. And that makes the system work quicker and easier, which is kind of the justification for government in a lot of levels. The social contract theory. Well, it can be safe to assume that you would have signed that contract given a choice. Right. Well, that's a hell of an assumption to make. What else we got on here? We've got, uh. We have a we have an a, a, we, an interesting little moment where we get to see fucking we, we get a little nod to our Indians from Texas. Yes, Alex listening to Hank Senior while drinking what I guess is energy drinks. I don't know. I got the impression he was he was walking like he was drunk. Oh, so it might have been some kind of alcoholic beverage. Yeah, I get the impression it was alcohol because he was kind of woo flipping around and then he like chose to turn the airlock off so he could like he. Threw some of the liquor yeah. out of the, out of the can and then did like cartwheels through the air. Turned the airlock back on or his boots. Yeah, his mag boots. And then so that he could catch the catch the beverage on the other side and like right. drink it. It was fucking hilarious. Play, playing little games with himself, which I had to admit, if I was in zero G, I'd be doing some some similar stuff. Yeah. Okay. Get, yeah. Get drunk and flying through the air. Like you're alone on your, on a spaceship. Right. <laughs> what the fuck else are you going to do? You're waiting for, and like in, and he's singing, uh, I'm so lonesome. I could die. Yes. Fucking good old Hank senior up there. So fucking funny. It just is. The only reason that moment exists is so that they can show that Mars is declaring all ships in the area need to depart. Yeah. And it's now Ganymede is a no fly zone. Yes. And well, he's flying there. Yes, he's right there with his with his friends on the planet. So, oh fuck, yeah. Uh, does this mean he's got to go in and pull them out early? What does that mean? Like he can't very well just get the fuck out of there and leave them. Yep, that's not the plan. So uh, that's literally why that scene scene exists. But it was a good comic relief in watching Alex be a fucking cowboy. Yeah, it's just that it, I understand in the in the narrative why it's the case. With like the whole Indian people moving to Texas for whatever reason, and then like from te- or Texas on Earth, they move up to Mars and stuff. And it's just like they're just having like that cultural background, but <laughs> it's still funny every time I see it and they allude to it. Like the the Indian guy being a cowboy is just fucking funny. Well, yes, ma'am, I do. Yeah. All right. So I think the only thing else is uh, is is the Bobby Draper stuff. Yep. Yeah. So she pretty much finds out that she's on. Uh, on a lockdown. Uh, it's like, uh, no, yeah, you saw us, how we were arrived on earth. One guy threw up, can't really walk straight. So no, you're not going to go. I'm a super soldier. God damn it. Yeah. You're not going to go visit the ocean. And she's like, fuck that noise. And then, you know, proceeds to break everything in her room, trying to remove the window panel. Yep. And finally settles on her purple heart, which actually does the trip. Which she thought was kind of funny, but yeah. And it looked like all she did was remove the rubber. Yeah. The insulation. 
out of it. And then the window just fell. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think it's one of those ones that like this, it, it, it's the seal is tight until you like, you get a bit of it out. Yeah. And then all like, when you start pulling it, all of a sudden it's just, boop, yep. it falls right out. I've seen them before. I, I usually that insulation shit pulls out a lot fucking harder than that did. But then again, <laughs> maybe that's why she broke half the shit in her room. That's true. And then what did she do? And falls on her ass and then uh, falls down the side of the building. <laughs> rolls rolls <laughs> fucking head first off about four levels of the building until eventually she hits bottom. And then what does she do? Oh, she gets right up after falling through f- on four yeah. fucking ceilings. I can imagine myself falling that way. And I would have been like, I would have taken a moment on the ground there. Just like, yeah. And she doesn't like, all right, just starts fucking running. Let me just make sure nothing is broken. I can still move fingers and toes. So is this the first time that we really get to see in the series, the kind of the makeup of the economic structure of earth? Yeah, a little bit of the stuff that happens on the ground that's not happening in the government buildings. Yeah, like we've talked a bit about how the system's set up with like, you know, basic and that kind of shit. This is the first time we actually get to see it. So Gunny takes off and she finds herself amongst like the the plebes, we'll yeah. just say. You know, and the first woman says, you know, she's like, well, you give me directions. She's like, for 50 scrip. Yeah. And now Gunny is doing a valiant effort considering it, but I mean, she's having issues and difficulties with being... In her environment. So she then tries to ask another dude, and the other dude, like, freaks the fuck out. And, yeah. And all of a sudden, this this creepy black dude walks up. He's like, oh, don't worry about him. He's off his meds. Yeah. The government didn't, didn't want to pay for him anymore, so, you know, he's just kind of losing his shit. Right. You'll have that down here. And so Gunny's trying to, you know, like, oh, well, I guess, thank you. Do you can you help me find the ocean? Because all she wants to do is find the fucking ocean. Yeah. And so what she finds out, the guy, you know, it's like, well... You, what you can do for me is, uh, do you have any OsteoX? And she's like, well, I can't get you high. He's like, yeah, great. But I can sell that shit for, you know, something that can I can actually. Yeah, a month's supply of something else. Yeah. Yeah. So he basically, you know, finds out, are you a doctor? He's like, well, I put my name on the list when I was 17 and I'm 57 now. Yeah. So like he's been waiting 40 years to get called to go to the academy, you know, Basically, the wait in line for a job situation. Right. And life is not good for these people is what you were finding out very quickly. Yeah. Like if you are not part of that upper class, like you you live on the ground, you live on Terra, your life is going to be pretty fucked. Yeah. Which is why she obviously meant it as a threat when she said you'll be on basic by the end of the month. You know. Yes. So she's out. Eventually she makes the deal because she just wants to fucking find the ocean. Like she's, I think she's, she's cracking. Yeah. She's, I think she's tired of everyone around her trying to tell her what's right and wrong and what's the truth when she knows what she saw. Yeah. It's like, this is how you're going to think. And this is what you're going to say. Yeah. Well, and the doctor, you know, they'll call him the doctor because essentially for this, I mean, he's even his like outfit was kind of directed to look a little bit like scrubs. Right. He, uh, you know, he's also he's like, you're, you're from Mars, aren't you? Yeah, and he can, and this is the last thing he like teaches her how to how to walk, and he he does like a kind of an example: plant your feet, eyes down, and then slowly raise your head up until you're looking at the uh, you know, and eventually he's like, you keep doing that, and in a couple of weeks your brain will reset. Yeah, and it'll be like you lived here your whole life. I'm trying to teach her because he's like, what did he describe it as? You look like the sky's gonna swallow you up, and the earth's trying to chew on you. Yeah, the sky was going to fall down on you, and then the earth was going to eat you from the bottom up. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> that's a, a very vivid description. And she kind of exemplifies that, but he tells her how to get to the ocean, and he's like, well, you're going to go down here, and you're going to find that, and you're just going to take it, and you'll get right there. Yeah, 
there's that drain pipe, and you'll go right to the ocean. But he has, so he has her uh, do the thing to try and learn it. And when she looks up, he's just fucking gone, just disappeared. Right. And so, what did he scam her? What's going on here? We don't know. Yeah. We learned that no, he just didn't want to have to deal with anything, so he just took off. Right. So she does what he says, and soon enough, Gunny finds herself walking down a corridor, and there it is, giant as it is, the fucking ocean. Yep. And takes off her shoes and kind of sits down in the sand and just appreciates it. And then off a stage, right? We. Yeah, Officer Rolla comes moseying on up. Yeah, uh, who she had her man find her before her people did. There was a great moment in there where she uh, makes sure the Martians have to fu- get stopped by every fucking cop in the city. Yeah. <laughs> like, make sure that we get there first. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. Like, great abusive force, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but so at this point, Havasarala shows uh, Gunny, is this what you saw, and shows her... One of the things that she got from Aaron Wright. Yeah. The little uh, 3D model of the humanoid form. Yes. And she tries to very quickly describe or explain what the hell's going on. And Bobby does what Bobby, she's a Martian soldier. You're the enemy. Well, I, I can't trust you. Yeah. And, and Havistral gives one of her great, we, we don't have a choice speeches. Yeah. Before kind of being skittered back off because, well, your people are coming. And we're kind of left in this limbo of, well, we don't really know where Bobby is. Like, we, this, is, she's, this, is this is a whole lot for her to take in all at once. Like, she was just told, hey, you're right. Your government did this to you. And this is one of those things because we know her government didn't do this to her. Yeah. But it's, 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 what, it's the path that Aaron Wright sent Havistrala down. Now, next thing you know, the you see two bodies walking up to her and they're about to cart her off. Yeah. To do what they're going to do with it. It's, uh, I'm assuming she's going to be disciplined pretty hard. Oh, of course. And you feel, you feel awful about it because, I mean, this is just a fucking person. Just everybody, everybody in the universe wants to fucking take advantage of this person. Yeah. So, I don't know. What else, is there anything else we missed in this episode? No, I mean, that was it. I mean, like we said at the beginning that this was just kind of like a, a transition episode. Uh, setting stuff up for future episodes. Yeah, I, 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 this, I, this, this episode reminds me how much I like that Havasarala's man character. <laughs> yeah, like he's just kind of he's just kind of a good dude. Does some shit, and he, he's I, I think he's the only only character in the show that like I feel is perhaps a genuine person. Like I don't know why he just comes off as trustworthy, inherently trustworthy. Yeah, and there's not many characters in here. That I don't see lying straight to your face for one reason or another. Even our good guys are not above, above the moral ambiguity yeah. <laughs> of doing what's necessary at the time. Yeah, like I get the imp- withholding information bare minimum. You know exactly. Yeah, and so I just like his character for that. One of the other things that um is a good probably should be noted is where he's smiling in her office once. He's like, he's like I forgot what it's like to work for the good guys. Yeah, for change. <laughs> It's nice. <laughs> it's like, okay, what did you do in the last 10 years? Jesus. <laughs> well, I get I get the impression that even, like, I think he worked for the government. I just think he thinks that the government was, yeah. you know, shitty government. Not not with the people's best interests at heart. We'll just say that. Yeah. So I guess let's, uh, let's get some specs and get on out of here. All right. So like you said at the beginning, so this is season two, episode 10, uh, titled Cascade, uh, directed by Michael Solomon and written by Dan Nowak. Came out March 29th, 2017. A little bit of a ratings bump from the last episode at a .573. So nice. Yeah, it was a great episode of and just a little transition pieces from here to there. So I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of episodes. Well, I think at this point, like you're just 
they've done well enough to kind of get you. Like if you've if you've been paying attention, they've done well enough to get you engaged and get you involved enough in the world that you're starting to care about the character. Right. You you give a shit about what happens. Like there's. I don't know that's a tough thing to do, especially when you have so many characters in the show. Like you've got the crew of Rossi, but you also have all the people in the UN. You have all, all of the characters that were, you know, through Johnson, Fred Johnson's people, and we haven't even seen what's going on in any of that right now. Like it's that stuff's so fucking peripheral to what's actually happening. It's like well, gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> Next season, that will not be peripheral, which I'm excited about. But for right now, I mean, we got a fucking potentially monsters that they're making out of children running loose on a planet, right? Yeah. At least that's what we're expecting to be the case. Seems to be that way. So, we're done. Any any last minute notes you want to get in there, boss? Uh, no, that was it. I just, uh, I'm thinking the next episode for this is probably going to be uh, a bit of a bombshell. So there'll probably be a lot of secrets revealed, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. There's probably a good chase in the next, next episode. I, honestly, I'm, I have a feeling, because I, I mean, it's been... Over a year, I think, since I watched a lot of this. I'm expecting that we're going to get... Uh, we're gonna, they're going to have to deal with Alex. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe next season is going to be a lot of... Her next episode is going to be a lot of dealing with Alex and what he's going to have to do. True. So, I mean, we already, we know where the, the doctor is. Yeah. So they've got to go and find that out. I guess the question is, so where does this season end? <laughs> so is there going to be a big reveal in the last episode? We only got three left. Yeah, so this, it just feels like they got a fucking ton of shit to cover still to get to at that point. Yeah, there's still a lot of a uh, lot of ground left to cover. That's like a, a thing that I, I marvel at with the show is that like, God damn it! Like when you get to the end of a season, like there's just so much, so much shit that I feel like they have to pack into those episodes, and they always manage it. Yeah, like it doesn't feel overwhelming or anything, but like it, it's a lot going on, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, all right, folks. Well, this has been a, another episode of Anarchy in Space. Yep. Let's look to the stars. The future. Uh, to infinity and beyond. That works. Trademark. <laughs> Steal it. Sure. Fuck. Fuck Disney. They're hemorrhaging money like crazy. It's great. Yep. Peace. Peace.